Hi, welcome to the Love and Serve podcast. I'm your host, Christy, and I am super excited to share with you. This podcast is all about loving where you've come from, loving where you are, and loving where you are going. I am honored to be on the journey of self-love with you together. Let's dive in. When your brain is balanced, your overall daily performance improves. You can have better mood, less procrastination, and less anxiety. Eating healthy, exercise, and proper rest contribute to a healthy brain. But we don't live in a perfect world every day, and some days we need a little extra support. My friends over at GNAPS have solved this problem and created a breakthrough formula that works. And I'm also super happy that it saved me a ton of money. Before, I was buying five different products to get the same results as I get now. But what I love most about it is that they didn't add caffeine and stimulants that cause negative effects. Instead, they used high-quality active vitamins like B12 and folate and one of my favorite brain aminos like 5-HTP that helps me to sleep better and control my appetite. I enjoy drinking my coffee in the morning, and when I take my G-Mood, I don't have the coffee jitters like I normally have. Instead, I'm calm and focused and super productive. So all my friends out there listening, you can get a special discount if you head on over to GNAPS. That's G-N-A-P-S-E dot com. At checkout, use LOVE20, that's L-O-V-E, two zero, and get 20% off plus free shipping and handling on your order. Well, hello and welcome to the Lead with Love podcast. I'm your host, Christy Dryling, and I am so excited for this interview today with this beautiful soul. I don't know how we met but I'm grateful we did because I know he's going to bring so much love and light to all of your hearts today. Just a little bit more about Robert Mack. He is an Ivy League educated positive psychology expert, celebrity happiness coach, and executive coach and author. Robert studied under the direction of Martin Sickleman, the founder of positive psychology at the University of Pennsylvania. UPenn is the only institution in the world to offer a master's degree in applied positive psychology. Robert is one of the world's leading experts on relationships between happiness and success. He helps individuals and organizations achieve an energizing balance of authentic personal happiness and effortless professional success based on time-tested, face-valued, empirical data, and timeless transcendental wisdom. Robert's work has been endorsed by Oprah, Vanessa Williams, and many others. He's been seen on Good Morning America, The Today Show, Access Hollywood, E! Own, GQ, Self-Health, Cosmo, and Glamour. And his first book, which I can't believe I haven't read this yet, I'm getting it today, is called Happiness from the Inside Out, The Art and Science of Fulfillment. I'm so excited to have you on the show, Rob. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I so so appreciate just being in conversation with you. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, positive psychology, psychology came into my world years ago. We were talked about this before, Sean Inker uh, I read his book, uh, the ha- was it The Happiness Advantage? Yes. It was the first time I really ever understood what positive psychology was. And I was like, this is brilliant. I love it. And so when I noticed that that's what you do, I thought, this is my kind of friend. I think he's a soul brother from another mother. And I just have to have him on the show. So we got on... Um, a little, well, it was going to be like a few minutes of a chat, I think. And it wound up being an hour and we just were <laughs> having so much fun on the playground of life. So I'm really glad to be sharing you with our world here today. I'm so excited to be here. And yeah, you're so difficult to talk to. <laughs> I mean, that conversation could have gone on forever. Um, I'm just so, so joyful and so happy and so 
just appreciative to be connected with you. Oh, Rob, thanks so much. I know that, uh, like I shared with you, um, one of my one of my uh, old business cards said by divine appointment only, and I really trust that that's our connection and I'm excited for what we're going to bring to the world today. So I loved when you shared with me a little bit about your story. Um, we talked about the divine masculine quite a bit. We talked about your struggle when you were younger and how you've come to this place today in your service to others and service to mankind. So maybe you could share with the audience just a little bit about your upbringing and what your, your, your adversity and struggles were. Yeah, for sure. By the way, I love that business card by divine appointment only that resonated so deeply with me. Just fantastic. Um, but yeah, you know, I think of myself, of course, these days as a happiness coach, but I'm probably the least likely person in the world to become or to be a happiness coach. Um, you know, I grew up so unhappy. I was just so deeply miserable. I was um, always stressed out, seriously, and severely anxious. And I always thought I'd grow out of that. You know, I had a great family, a really incredible loving mother and father and a brother and a sister and you know lots of conflict you know at home because you know life is hard and family life is hard and so as I grew up I always just assumed I'd grow out of like that anxiety and self-loathing and unhappiness um, and especially I thought well eventually I'll hopefully have a girlfriend and maybe I'll eventually become a professional basketball player that was of course my dream and uh, I'll do well in school and I'll have some money and life will get better and I'll feel better about life and that is not what happened, Christy. It just got worse for me as I got older. And despite doing pretty well academically, I was a little touring of my high school class and doing pretty well, you know, in terms of sports. Um, I just felt worse and worse. And I got to a place where I was so deeply depressed that I began to experience suicidal ideation dozens and dozens of times a day. I mean, I thought about killing myself more than I thought about anybody or anything else in the world. And so I got to a place where I eventually did some research and decided I was going to slash my wrist. Um, still have the suicide test marks on my wrist to this day. Um, but something very strange and unexpected uh, happened. You know, when I sort of went and got the kitchen knife and I dug it into my wrist, without anything in my external conditions or circumstances changing at all. I mean, I had a pretty good life. I had really nothing to complain about. And yet I was just so empty and unhappy inside. Despite nothing changing on the outside, I just felt this peace and this joy and this well-being and love that I don't remember ever feeling before in that way, you know. And so at that moment, I said, oh, maybe I can postpone the suicide for like 15 minutes. And that was it. You know, at the time, it was a very tall order. 15 minutes felt like forever. But I thought, maybe I'll just put it off for 15 minutes. I'll do a little research. And believe it or not, that 15 minutes led into several hours and days, and now it's been about over 20 some years. And uh, my life is so different now. You know, I love that you share so vulnerably what's happened to you in your past, because, you know, for the longest time, I think it was taboo to talk about anything like that, right? It was shaming. I know the first time that happened for me, my, my shame story was, you know, living on welfare most of my life and having fathers that were drug and drug addictive and abusive and living in a car with my mama. And so I, I actually, my ex-husband never even knew my story. All right. So like, I was so ashamed of my story that I, I, he never even knew it. And we, you know, got married a year into me building a company. 
I, I saw um, the beautiful, amazing, talented Les Brown, um, my first motivational speaker to ever watch. And I was in the front row, like a hungry like student, just holding on to every word. If I could have jumped on the stage and jumped in his arms and let him coddle me, I totally would have. Because that's the energy, you know, that big bear personality that, that he brings to the, the table. And I remember him sharing about his his mother, who was a crack addict, and um, also his, his, his sister, and how they were left on the floor in New York. And I remember just crying my eyes out thinking, oh my gosh, I, I was mad, but I was happy. I was mad that he was sharing this story. Because I thought, who shares this stuff? This is this is stuff, right? And then I was happy because it was liberating and freeing. And I thought, I want to, I want to change the world. I I want to be able to get to a point where I can share my story to audiences and not be ashamed the way he is, and let it be inspiring and empowering. And so, less at the my one, I think it was my third book. I talked, I opened it up with with honoring less. For, for that experience, because the more I got to talk about it, the more healing it was. And it also allowed, uh, gave other people permission, right, to talk about theirs. Absolutely. It's like the self-disclosure and the confident vulnerability begets self-disclosure and confident vulnerability from other people. Yeah, it's, it's uh, knowing we're not alone. I mean, how many times are we, we feel like what we're going through is just our stuff. Nobody else is going through it. You know, and especially now, let's be honest, Rob, like one day we feel on top of the world and the next day we're like, what the heck is happening, right? Absolutely. To me, it can often feel like a roller coaster, right? And that was my experience, although I felt like mostly it was like at the bottom of the, you know, roller coaster ride all the time. But absolutely, ups and downs and ebbs and flows. And you're right, the challenge for me and the opportunity I think for all of us is to recognize that you're not alone. Like I wasn't alone. And I think that's the first thing I discovered is I began doing some research around like depression and suicide and happiness and happiness. It was like, Rob, you're not alone. In fact, most of the world at some point in time goes through a depressive bout or feels anxiety, feels stress. It's what you know we call being human, right? But it's easy to sort of miss that or forget that or not notice that because you're often locked and trapped in your own head. And if you don't share then other people don't feel encouraged to share either. Yeah, and and I I feel like we're in a new movement of people being able to really speak the truth without the shame that comes with it. Right? Because it's 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 for me speaking is my medicine. You know, I like to talk things through. I know for some women that's what we do. Like we need to talk about it, right? My partner needs to go on a walk and then he needs to digest it. And, you know, I, I'm kind of like the fixer. I'm like, okay, nope, we got this. Let's, fi- let's fix this now, you know? And he's like, can I just take a walk and digest? And then I'll come back and I can actually process everything. And, um, and, and, but, but it's, it's the more vulnerable we're able to be with each other um, and knowing we're not alone is, is I think, the medicine that we offer to one another. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're right, too, Christy, which is that the vulnerability shows up and expresses itself differently for all of us. And there's, you know, what I think I most want to do is hold space for however people want to show up and especially encourage them to show up, you know, in vulnerable ways that are in alignment with their own truth. Right. And so to your point, it's like, you know, 
some of us do it one way where we sort of go offline and go by ourselves and go for the walk. And some of us like to process right in the moment and speak it out. Um, but, you know, in both cases, I think there's an opportunity to be increasingly vulnerable. Um, and I think it's, um, you're right, it helps to destigmatize and normalize what we all feel and experience through the course of our lives. That's so great. So, so great. So, you know, as people are sitting in their homes or in their cars right now, and they're listening to this podcast, and I feel like a lot of people are trying to reinvent themselves. Um, They're trying to figure out what they want to do with their life. They're recognizing that there's a lot of emptiness, possibly, maybe it's in their relationships, right? There's, you know, they want something deeper, but maybe they're not able to connect with their partner in the way that they, they desire, right? So they're, they're struggling having that conversation, right? That call to action conversation. Um, so let's dig into the relationships for a minute, because we know that relationships are everything. Connection and love is everything for us. So what is it that, 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 um, how can someone begin to have that conversation with the ones that they love in regards to, you know, what they're feeling and their unhappiness and their struggle? Maybe you have some wisdom to shed on that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I really struggle with that. You know, um, when I was a child, I struggled a lot with it because I would sort of have these thoughts and these concerns and these fears and worries and even dreams and hopes. And I would sort of, sort of dip my foot in the water with people by just cracking a little joke or seeing if they were would take the bait, right? And I have a sometimes morbid sense of humor. So particularly when I was a kid. And so I would try to dip my toe in the water and make some joke, like, don't worry, we're all going to die anyway. Huh? And I would realize nobody would really take the bait on that. They'd say, oh, don't say that. And why would you bring that up? And so it sort of discouraged me from being able to lean more strongly and deliberately into conversations with friends and family members and colleagues. And I don't blame anyone for that, right? There's no blame in that. It's just, that was the experience that I had. And so a couple of things I discovered along the way um, was that, you know, when in doubt, seeking out and being very selective about seeking out people who can hold space for you and show up in unconditionally loving ways for you is critical. And that's often the value of experts, honestly. I mean, you know, that's what therapists get paid for and counselors and coaches and hopefully lots of other folks in the world. And so if you're in doubt that you can share something that you feel extraordinarily vulnerable about, you might want to lean into somebody whose job it is specifically to provide a safe space for you. And then once you sort of get the training wheels and you sort of get moving with that, you'll discover that what they're doing for you really is they're modeling for you by virtue of that therapeutic relationship, how to hold space for yourself in the same non-judgmental and unconditionally loving way. Right. Because the challenge often is even when you have conversations with people who are unconditionally loving and non-judgmental, you will often project the self-judgment and the self-blame onto the other person, even when they're being perfectly unconditionally loving and non-judgmental. Right. And so that's the challenge with this whole thing is sometimes it can be difficult, especially in the beginning, to lean into these vulnerable conversations because it gets messy. It's like, am I judging myself or is this person judging me? Was that a smile or a smirk, right? It's like things like that. And so I would say for that reason, you certainly want to practice, let's say, with professionals, but also practice with yourself. I mean, that's the practice of meditation. It's the practice of prayer to a large extent. It's like when you find that unconditionally loving, harmonious, healthy, happy place within yourself, you tend to find it with everybody and everything else as well, even when those people don't find it with you. Um, so that's the few couple tips I've learned um, 
mostly the hard way. Oh, right. Isn't it always like the hard, if, if you're on the growth highway, just be prepared, right, for the detours and the stops. Because <laughs> like yesterday I had planned, um, I, I've always wanted to learn Tantra, right? So uh, I took the initiative and I found this beautiful coach uh, locally. And he came over yesterday for me and my partner and had just these most epic conversations and being in the presence of this demi- divine masculine man, who was also just really creating space and understanding for the divine masculine to hold space for the div- divine feminine. So like when we have, he shared something, it was really profound. I felt that really eliminates the feeling of judgment from, um, for example, if, you know, I think I shared with you, Rob, in a previous conversation, maybe maybe so, maybe not, but I've had an issue with trust, trusting the masculine for quite some time because, you know, I had five fathers and a couple were drug addictive and abusive and, you know, they would come in and then leave and come in and come and leave. So I literally blocked my heart my whole life. And then finally in my 40s, I'm now opening my heart to the to the divine masculine and the spirit gave me three boys. And that's, what's funny. It's like not all masculine or, you know, they're not there to, to run out on you and abandon you. However, that was the feelings I would have. So it was hard for me to really open my heart to the divine masculine and without fear. So yesterday he was like, just imagine, you know, create that space for your partner where it's just like there's there's a, a, a version of you standing behind you and whatever they say and whatever they're releasing, maybe it's tears or fears or whatever it is, let it just go by you into the, 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 the energy behind you. It's not yours, but you're holding space to let them release it. And it was such a really beautiful thing because sometimes, you know, as women, like I've also given myself permission to cry. Like I never used to cry. Like my boys, I, if a commercial would come on and it, it seemed emotional, they would look at me and like, oh my God, is she going to cry? Because they were like, they wanted to to protect me. Like mom never cries. So we want to protect her. This is weird. Now I can cry all the time. You know, I'm just like, sometimes in, in, it's like knowing that it's okay to, to be vulnerable in your relationship. Like, I think that's the work. Your partner has to be willing to show up and do that work for you. Like they have to be, you have to want to hold that space for each other. And sometimes those difficult conversations need to be had and saying, you know what? I, I really need to work on some stuff and I want to work on it with you. Can, can, can we do this together? Right. So much great stuff there. I mean, we could unpack everything you said there for days and days, right. There's like multiple workshops. I mean, but you know, just to highlight a few things that you said that I just think are so beautiful and brilliant. One, it's being able to have a difficult conversation, right. But there's a way to have a difficult conversation, right. There's a skill and there's an art to having a difficult conversation, so that you actually build a positive relationship as a result of that difficult conversation. But lots of people think of it not in that way exactly, right? Because we become defensive and we become reactive and we begin to project again. And before you know it, the best of intentions have, you know, led to this increasingly destructive conversation, right? And so there's a way to have that. And I think we can learn lots about how to have a difficult conversation or navigate crucial conversations in artful, skillful, positive, inspiring ways. Right. So that's huge. The other thing that you said, that I think that's just so powerful is that, um, yeah, you know, no question that past programming conditioning will certainly influence the way you show up in the world today in your relationships. And it, you know, sort of what we do anywhere is kind of what we do everywhere. Right. So you have that experience. And yes, when possible, and it's certainly desirable, 
It's nice to have people in your life that you can lean on and trust. There's no question about that. And that being said, I think I've sort of discovered a different definition for trust. It's like I used to have trouble with the trust thing. And I used to really wonder and try to vet for trust. And then I discovered, you know, Rob, instead of trusting what you want people to do, so trusting your own expectations about how other people should show up, why don't you just trust that they show up the way they show up and trust yourself more deeply, right? So that didn't mean trusting people less. It just meant trusting myself more in such a way that I could, you know, bounce back from, deal with, cope with, um, and continue to find peace, love, and happiness inside, no matter how people or the world was showing up or not showing up for me. And um, that in and of itself can be a huge challenge um, and opportunity, of course. Um, but yeah, so much to unpack there, Christy. I just love it. Yeah, I know I do. I love it with you too, because, um, you know, I also think, especially when you're new in a relationship, you know, you meet somebody, you get super excited, you know, you have this chemistry, you're having this fun, it's the honeymoon, you know, effect, right? And then um, you, but you don't ever have those conversations. It, 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 some do, some don't. Um, but I think the conversation being like, what is, you know, having questions like, what does trust mean to you? What does being in a monogamous relationship mean to you? Are you for that? Are you not for that? Like getting really clear on what those questions are so that you know if you're on the same page or not. Right. Before you get way down the road and you're like, wait a second. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's pure gold. I mean, really, that's pure gold. And you're right. I absolutely am convinced that all relationships, relationship problems can be boiled down to the ways in which we answer one question, which is what is love? What is love? When you say I love you, what do you mean? And really breaking it down and you'd be surprised. I mean, I know I've been in lots of, you know, um, platonic and romantic relationships. And, you know, I've come to that realization that when I say I love you, I mean, I want you to be happy no matter what, even if it's not with me. And I've discovered that even if sometimes we intellectually believe that, for lots of people, that's extraordinarily unsettling. They don't like that idea. They'd rather you not say that or not feel that way. And I understand why, right? But I had a long, hard time for a very long time understanding why somebody wouldn't love that idea that I would want them to be happy no matter what. Um, so yes, Christy, you nailed it. It's um, so interesting. We often assume that we're on the same page about certain things only to discover that we might be worlds apart, but you can only bridge those worlds by having a conversation. It's so funny you say this because I, my third book I wrote was called LOL. And I open up the book by sharing the story about LOL. Okay. And I share that I was uh, sending this, I sent this email to a really good friend of mine, Bob Berg. He wrote a great book called The Go-Giver. Such a great book if anybody's interested in giving. And at the end of the email, I wrote LOL. And I get this email back and he's like, Christy, I really don't understand what's so funny. So I sat there and I'm like totally perplexed. And I send him this email and I said, well, Bob, I do send you lots of love. I get this phone call from him. He's he's like laughing hysterically on the ground saying, Christy, LOL does not mean lots of love. It means love out loud. And I said, Bob, I have signed every email and every text for eight years with LOL. And we're just laughing. And then it really started to sink in like I was like, oh no, like I'm in a business where I build people up. So I went to my text messages and they were like, oh sister, don't beat yourself up. You're not that bad, LOL. Or, you know, you can do anything in the world that you want to do, LOL. 
Okay. And my sister, I was at Thanksgiving with her and I said, Carol, you're not going to believe what I did this time. And she's like, what? And I told her the story and she starts crying. I'm like, what is wrong? What is wrong? She said, do you remember when I sent you an email and I said, hey, sis, I think I want to be a life coach. What do you think? And you said, you would be absolutely amazing, LOL. And she said, I fig- I never did it because I thought if you didn't believe in me, nobody would. And so, yeah, so my perception of LOL, like where one of my leaders said, oh, Christy, every time I got an email from you, I just laughed out loud because I, I I just thought you were trying to get me to release endorphins. So in her mind, she's trying to make sense of it. She's like, oh, Christy's getting me to laugh. And my sister took it as a, so it was like, LOL for me was love and everybody else, it was laughter. It was this perception. So I've, I have this learned how critically important it is to ask more questions. If, if, if something doesn't resonate with in me. And if I was feeling like my solar plexus light up a little bit, or it doesn't, it feels heavy. I want to dig in and ask more questions. Now I'm in love with a Latin, which <laughs> I had to learn a long time ago. That's a whole nother world. Right. And it's like, yeah. what do you mean by that? And the whole love you thing, Rob, it's so true because for me, you know, I love you is such a deep, meaningful, like like something you say to your, you know, the one that you're choosing in that moment or your children, I love you or your partner, I love you. And I'll say, love you, man. Or I'll, you know, I'll add, I love, I love everybody. And I'll, but it's just the context, the way it's said. Right. So I remember in the beginning of my relationship with my partner, I was like, what, what do you mean? I love you to that person and that person and that person, like, you know, and we had to have a conversation about that. Cause it was, I'm from the Midwest He's from Argentina. Like we have different worlds, right? It just, we just all have different worlds. So I love that you, that you highlight that, that we have to ask more questions. Oh, Christy, what a powerful story, right? I mean, really powerful story. That's why it's such a powerful book. And, you know, you're absolutely right about that. You know, I, early in my life was sort of very, um, I guess, convinced without knowing it, that love was an exclusive relationship with one person or, you know, a family member or this and that. And as I've gotten older and sort of maybe just hopefully evolved in a little bit, you know, I just feel more and more that love is really an inclusive way of relating to everybody in the world. Right. And so I have found myself definitely like, doesn't matter, guy friends, female friends, girlfriends, family, strangers, I'll say, I love you. It just, it got, it just comes out and I, and I mean it. I meant, I mean that I feel oneness with you at some level, you know, I feel uh, the felt oneness or connectedness or connection with someone in that moment. And the same presence and aliveness and life that exists within me exists within them, the same life. And so I feel that. And so, you know, you want to put words to it so they can also recognize that you recognize them. And so it can be confusing, right? It can be very confusing if you don't explain that. It can get you all kinds of hot water, you know, if you're new in a relationship and you haven't had that conversation. Um, but, you know, it's worth digging into. And while it can be a little uncomfortable in the beginning, it's extraordinarily rewarding in the end, I think, for everyone. Even if the seed of that conversation doesn't take root right away, later it often does. Uh, you know what, though? Here's what I'm going to just dive into just a little bit, because I feel like we've women have been given the green card with, I love you. I say love you to everybody, right? But it's weird for us when we hear men right? Saying, I love you to everyone. And that is the trick there, right? Like that's where we get tricked because society has told us that the toxic masculine is the, you know, is, is the space that we hold and, and we don't 
it's just too not appropriate, right? It, it, you, you lose your man card, kind yeah. of like, which is not true. It's the opposite. But that's what we've been conditioned to to, to believe, right? Absolutely. You, you absolutely nailed it. I mean, you know, that, and that's the challenge with the language in general is that language is, um, you know, so beautiful and so wonderful. We use it to describe the world, but it also informs us about the world or can inform our perception of the world. And so it becomes a little problematic and a little bit messy and it's polluted with all kinds of ideas and opinions and beliefs and assumptions and flawed premises that work their way into the relationship itself just through the language that you use. And sometimes that language is verbal and sometimes nonverbal. So yeah, Christy, there's, there's, there's no question about it. I think particularly with men, um, that could be a real challenge, but of course, where there's a challenge, there's a great opportunity um, to lean in, I think, to the strength and power of love, the strength and power of love, and really in, sort of investigating, exploring what that really means, um, not just in terms of words, but in terms of a felt experience. Yeah, it's so interesting. I think culturally too, or demographically where you come from, because like my my ex-husband, his, him and his father, like never exchanged I love yous. And I remember being so frustrated with them. I'm like, why don't you do that? Like, that is so big, right? And um, and I remember worrying about like, I don't want that to be d- duplicated within the within my children, with my boys, you know, like, so we would have that conversation about how important it is for a boy to hear from their father. I love you. And looking them in the eyes, giving them that great big hug. And, 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 you know, so I want to say this to all the listeners out there who might be parents, you know, or maybe your father as the masculine has never said to you, I love you. Don't wait for it right? Don't wait for it. They're yearning for it as much as you want it. They just don't know how to step into it. And the healing that will take place, not only within yourself, but within them, will be so huge that it'll, it'll heal generations yet that are even here, right? It's like having that, I, you know what, dad, I just want to look you in the eyes and tell you, I'm grateful for you. I love you so much and thank you for everything you've sacrificed. I know we don't always get it right and may not always, you know, be on the same page, but you matter to me. Like how powerful. Christy, so poignant, so such a remarkable insight. And just to tag on that, because it was so good. You know, one of the things I discovered, I talked to lots of men, talked to lots of women. And the one thing I've discovered with the men specifically is that, you know, particularly certain generations, sometimes you find this to be more true with, but Sometimes people don't say I love you, and particularly men, because they feel it so deeply. There's so much emotion there, okay? There's so much emotion. And of course, there's concern about saying it and sharing it, and what does that mean perceptually? And there are also lots of men, and you know, I'd say my father falls into this you know, um, sort of category where it's like he's also trying to make sure that you're strong enough and resilient enough to face the world and the adversity and the challenges that come with the world. And I remember going to college my first year and my dad would do this thing. Every time he would drop me off at college, he would, um, you know, we'd have this conversation the whole time. He wouldn't go deep on the ride over there, especially as we get closer to campus. And I didn't understand why. He'd just pull back and start talking about just anything that was kind of trivial. Then he'd get there. He'd unpack my stuff. And he'd say, oh, Rob, I'm going to go fill up the gas tank, um, brother, and I'll be right back, you know. And then he wouldn't come back. <laughs> he wouldn't come back. And then it'd be like an hour later. And I'd, and I'd call him like from the dorm phone and dad, what's happened? We're, he's like, oh, I'm almost home, son. You know, I'm glad you're all good and we'll talk later. And then only later, many, many, many years later, as you know, men often as they get older, they soften. You know, I discovered that this man felt such deep emotion 
about it all. It wasn't a lack of love. It was almost too much love. It was like it couldn't be contained in words. It couldn't be expressed in words. And so there's also that piece, which is like, if you don't get it back, when you say I love you to anyone, particularly to your father, please realize and recognize that doesn't mean there's a lack of love there. It might be the very opposite of that. It might be so much love and you might not have the words to express. You might not have the, a way to express it. You might not have the confidence or even the security and safety and stability within himself emotionally and psychologically and even spiritually to express it. And so, you know, I just want people to know that because I think it's easy to assume that if someone doesn't say it back, it means they don't, but it could mean that they really do. Uh, so you got, like, the audience can't see this right now, or maybe you can, but I've got tears in my eyes because that just resonates so much for me for humanity. You know, it's like, I think so many people... As people, we crave human connection and love so much. And so many of us have, especially now more than ever, like the epidemic of worthiness and feeling worthy of love is such a big one because we spend so much time shaming ourselves or um, judging ourselves or judging others. And then also putting expectations on others, which is also not fair, right? Like, um... We all have different love languages. We all have different ways to be fed. And instead of also saying, well, this person isn't doing for me, actually, the thing we should be saying is, what am I not doing for others? Because when I'm serving and loving, what goes out has to come back, right? Absolutely, Christy. And you make such a great point. And this is, you know, this infinite point here that are, that are worth highlighting. And, it, you know, one thing I think a discovery for me is that love in its essence, it's formless, okay? But we become so attached to the form that love takes that we miss the formless essence that's, almost, that's always there. I would argue that it's always there. So it's like, if this, doesn't, if this love doesn't show up as a romantic relationship, or if it doesn't show up as the words, I love you, or it doesn't show up in a way that I think love should show up as, in other words, this person comes over to my house and helps me paint my walls or helps me move my furniture or was there on time, we mistake the lack of that form or the different form for the lack of love, this essentially formless, infinite, eternal, baseless, formless essence that's the heart of everything and the heart of everyone. Even fear, if you look closely at it, is, is love. It's, it's upside down love, right? It's the opposite side of the same coin, if you look closely enough. And so it can be extraordinarily seductive and tempting to think that there is a lack of love anywhere or within anyone. But there was never a lack of love. There was only a lack of awareness of love within everything and everyone. Wow, so good. One of my favorite books that really helped me on my journey was A Return to Love by Marianne Williamson. <sighs> One of my right. still a top 10 book for me. And I've read a lot of, like you, we have read a lot of books. So that says something. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. And, um, you know, she... I went to one of her retreats a long time ago in Kansas City, and um, she shared this little exercise because during that time, I was going through a challenging time with an elder in my life, a beautiful female elder, and I did not know how to navigate it. And um, she used an example. If you could take this person that you're struggling with in your life right now, whoever that might be, and just imagine them as a baby in your arms and then just rocking them and holding them and they're crying. And just realizing this is a call for love. And I did this exercise meditation every day for like a week. And crazy enough, a week later, I got a phone call from this elder. And we have been just absolutely beautiful since. It was this, she just wanted to be close to me. And she was using force instead of power. 
and force for me is like I run, right? When there's force, we, a lot of us run, but instead of using love as the power, I had to do that. If I wanted that, I had to do that, had to be that. And it was healing. So beautiful. Just so beautiful. I mean, just the image and the experience and what a tool. And, you know, Marion Williamson's work is, you know, really based on A Course in Miracles. So many gems in A Course in Miracles, you know, and um, one of the gems I love is, you know, in non-reactivity or non-defensiveness lies my safety. And I say that's the difference between power and force. Force is not knowing that. And power is knowing that. Love is knowing that. And fear is not knowing that, right? One of the ways in which I've tried to turn the table on this conditioning and programming that so many of us have around fear and scarcity, particularly when it comes to love, but also money and other things, is by, you know, when I walk in rooms, I remind myself that everyone here loves me. They just might not know how to show me, right? It's one of the best premises. I used to start with the opposite premise, which was, which was like, I've got to prove to people that I'm likable or lovable, or I need them to prove to me that they're likable and lovable. It's like, no, everyone is likable and lovable. And I just didn't discover in what way that's true. But also, and even more important, everyone here loves me and they might not, or they don't know how to show me right? Or tell me. And it's such a healthier, happier, more harmonious way to live your life. And that's not to say that you should not be mindful and not be careful and not protect yourself. But it, when you're coming from that different, happier, healthier, more harmonious, more powerful sort of state, it's incredible how people in life shows up in a way that corroborates your story and sort of collaborates with you in increasingly, you know, sort of successful and productive ways. Um, so yeah, Christy, it's a great tool and there's so many ways to kind of deliver on that um, tool and deliver on that message. Yeah, it's um, one thing I know I've always uh, struggled with was I have no problem with practicing karmic yoga. You know, karma yoga is like, I love to serve, you know, and that it's almost becomes a, it's it, it can be a healthy and an unhealthy addiction, right? Like, it, it you know, I always actually tell my boys, you have the gift of obsession. You don't have the, you don't have addictions. Like a uh, gift of obsession means you turn that gift for obsessing about something for good. Addiction becomes in the form of self-destruction, right? So, um, you know, the gift of service, the obsession of service can also backfire if we don't have the balance of the gift of receiving. So True. that's always been a struggle for me as to like, I love giving so much and honoring and service, just service to humanity that when, when, you know, receiving it has been something that I'm opening up my heart more to, to allowing. Right. And I think some, there's quite a few people that also have that same experience. Oh my goodness. You nailed that. I mean, I remember how long it took me to simply accept the compliment. I mean, think about it. How many times have we deflected or redirected a compliment or felt the need to immediately say something of equal value to the other person just in order to get the, the sort of that attention off of us because we can't receive. And so, you know, one of the practices um, that I sort of leaned into is always saying, no matter what anyone says, even if I doubt that they're, they're sincere, it doesn't matter. I'm open to receiving. So I'm just trying to say always thank you. I fully receive that, right? The receiving is so helpful, particularly if you want to lean into the giving and to the point you're making, which is like, you know, it's so tempting to always come up with blanket statements, particularly in psychology or spirituality, and they become cliches or feel like platitudes. Um, and they're so great in some ways because it can simplify your life, but in other ways, it can find a little bit problematic. So for instance, with me, early in my life, I was like, I'm going to give my life away. It's all about service. 
But I kind of hadn't found the source of that service and giving and that source of abundance within myself, right? And so even though I felt like and it seemed like I was giving in order to give, I was really giving in order to get. And the way I knew that is that if somebody didn't respond, you know, in like manner or they didn't say thank you or I let them pull out in front of me in traffic, even something as simple as that, and they didn't seem to acknowledge me, that I felt worse off or diminished in some way. And that was always an indication to me, Rob, you've got to fill yourself up first, have a full bucket. You can share the overflow with other people. And then even when you share it, you're sharing that overflow indiscriminately, unconditionally, without an expectation of reciprocity, right? That's huge. It's like being a rain cloud. You just fill yourself up with as much peace, love, and joy as humanly possible. And then you just rain down on the earth and all living creatures, right? Indiscriminately, unconditionally, just to relieve yourself of that burden of carrying that peace, love, and joy around with you all day, every day. It's really joyful and the reward is in the giving itself. And so service and giving is, I think, simultaneously the most selfish act in the world because it feels so darn good when you're in tune with it, but it's also the most selfless act in the world because you don't expect anything in return. It's like, no, trust me, that was enough. Like giving was enough. That was enough and it was rewarding of itself. So the point you're making there, oh my goodness, Christy, it's like we can go so many directions with that, but just so powerful around the service. I love your vulnerability with that because I definitely connect to it. Like I remember when I used to give as well, you know, I was, I call it conditional giving, you know, conditional love. It's like, well, I give you this, uh, well, I sent, you didn't send me a thank you for the gift I sent you. Like, that's so rude. Why would they not recognize that? Like I went, so I was, I was looking to get validation and to be seen. And, and then um, obviously like, I think that maybe that's the start I think, you know, of, of really tapping into unconditional love and giving. And, and it's okay that if you're there, don't worry. Like you're not, don't shame yourself or judge yourself. Like, oh my gosh, that's me. Just be, recognize it, that you're actually on the path. And it's really beautiful because I would much rather someone give and give conditionally first to recognize that's actually not where it's at to then recognize there's more you know, what if I detach from someone's perception of me or whether they love what I've given them or not and just give because you know what, it's just what intuitively I've been called to do, right? Oh, Christy, it's true. It's like either give freely or not at all. You know, that's the way I feel. You know, Byron Katie has a great example that she uses, which is like around money. And I've adopted this, which is like, I don't loan money. Like I, I, I never loan money. I gift money. And if and when I get it back, that's when I call it a loan. Right now, I don't go advertising this across the world. So somebody says, can you loan me a little something or whatever? You kind of just did. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of just did to you and your 100 million (laughs) listeners. And it's it's fine. So lots of folks will be getting lots of no's, um, but not from a lack of love, just from a lack of infinite, you know, dollars. Um, But yeah, it's like so true, Christy. It's like, you know, and that's, I try to live that way more and more. It's like, you know, I'm human. So I don't always, you know, but that's the intent. And I do that because, you know, ultimately I'm a hedonist at heart and, um, but I also want to give, not to get. I want to give cleanly, freely, and joyfully. Yeah, we have this thing um, that we 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 do this to measure it, so that we have a. It just makes us think about it daily. So my partner and I, we made this goal like to to collect two karma points a day. We're not counting. We're not counting. Oh, you know, this month we had you know sixty karma points, right? But we do it so we set the intention that today we're going to do an act of kindness or good or service where we don't 
obviously care if we get anything back. We're just doing it. So we're intentionally doing something. And, um, and, and that's really, you know, it's funny because when my boys were younger, they're like, oh, karma points, mom, you know, like you should let that person have that parking spot. And it was like, just being mindful of like, you know what, there's more than enough. There's abundance everywhere. Like we would, and then, so when we would get Rockstar Park, we'd be like, oh, Rockstar Parking, the universe is so amazing. We love you so much, you know? And we'd start jamming out. And how does it get any better than this? And just really getting into that frame of mind that there's more than enough. And it feels so abundant. And when you pour energy into the world, the, the world wants to pour energy back into you. And so it's okay, my friends, if you're listening to this and you feel like, you know, there's not enough coming back in. What we would like to encourage you to do is put more out. Like I would tell my boys if they were struggling when, you know, they were fighting and things weren't going their way when they were younger. I'm like, go to the neighbors now, take the broom and go sweep off their porch. And they would do it and they would come back like, oh my gosh, mom, that felt so good. And you know what? You know, Eileen brought me out cupcakes. And I'm like, see, See how much better you feel when you can change what you're focusing on. So do something. Just today, listen to this podcast. After you listen to it, just go do something random. Love that so much. I love that so much, Christy. And and you know, and what's great about it, you're right. It benefits the other. You know, whoever it is that you were kind to, or whoever you shared with, it also benefits you, right? In your own perspective and your own um, mentality around abundance and prosperity. And to that point too. Sometimes, you know, and I get it, it's like, if you don't have any money, maybe sharing the money or giving the money isn't the right thing to share. There's lots of ways you can share. You can share a kind word. You can share a kind glance. You can share a prayer for someone. You can meditate for, you know, there's lots of ways you can spend time. And so whatever it is that you have in abundance, it's always great to share that overflow. And then you can sort of have a stretch goal and move into some of those areas where you feel more scarcity around. But it's such a brilliant idea. And boy, you were the cool mom, Christy. <laughs> well, they, they're just now starting to see that. They didn't, you know, I, I brainwashed him in the car with Tony Robbins and Zig Ziglar and all those guys. And they get so mad at me, you know, but now, you know, they, they actually think I'm cool. So that's good. But one thing I will tell you, it was at the beginning of my career and literally, I mean, I remember driving to an event. I had $20 left in my bank account, right? And I'm like, what am I doing? And and I'm, you know, I'm not closing deals. My business wasn't booming, but I knew deep down that something powerful was in the in the future if I were to stick to this and work harder than anybody I knew, right? And so I remember just like, crap, I got $20. Like, what if something the kids need something and I can't pay for it? And I just heard the voice say, you know what? You're you're working towards the dreams in the future. You have to do this. Like, it doesn't matter. More money will show up. So when it came to tithing, I didn't have extra money to tithe. And that's like a universal spiritual principle, right? Doesn't matter what faith you believe in or spirituality you believe in. So I was like, well, I I literally don't have extra money right now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually tithe more time because time is money. So the next month I decided to tithe my time double. Okay. And my paychecks doubled. Then I was like, what if I time it? What if I tithe it quadruple? My paychecks quadruple. See, the universe doesn't ask us to tithe just money or God or spirit, whatever you want. It's like tithe your service to humanity and watch what comes back in abundance. Beautiful. So beautiful. I remember Marion Williamson said something um, that definitely would have been right in alignment with that around giving your gifts away. 
giving your talents away. It's like, you know, there's a section on if you want to be an actor, just find anywhere and anybody who received your gift of acting. You go to a nursing home or whatever. And I, you know, that can be tough, you know, because it's like, you know, you want to, you want, I think the challenge most of us have is we want everything to happen overnight. In your case, probably kind of did, and that things can happen overnight, often do happen overnight. Um, And infinite patience produces immediate results. Right. So, um, and sometimes the way I put it is infinite presence produces immediate results. And so the challenge and opportunity there is like, try to do it from the most pure hearted place you can and try to enjoy doing it and then trust and know that it'll show up and it can show up in all kinds of various forms. It might very well show up in in money or it might show up in some bigger, better way even. Right. And so it's nice to stay open to all forms of abundance um, and just, no, notice. I mean, I think that's the other piece is like noticing how steeped in abundance and prosperity you already are. All of us already are. Like how much does life or the universe love us just to continue pumping oxygen into your lungs all day, every day and pumping blood through your you know, body and keeping your heart beating and your brain orchestrating it all. And, you know, the same life force and same infinite intelligence is hanging the earth literally this huge rocker crater on nothing. It's just hanging in midair, right? And it's not only doing that, but it's rotating on its, on its axis very in a very wobbly way as it also revolves it around this super hot sun that's been doing nothing but giving for millions of years, nothing but heat and nothing but warmth and nothing but light, right? And nothing but life. And so it's easy to forget all of that and become lost in the weeds and the nitty gritty details and trivia of our lives. But if you step back and you really look at life itself and how much of it is unearned. It's not like we earned any of it. It just, you show up and all these things happen, right? It's like, you know, spring comes and the grass grows all by itself. You just sit there and nothing but oxygen, you know, enters your lungs. And so it allows you to do all these things. And so anyway, to that point, it's like the whole point is just become more and more in tune with the abundance and the prosperity you're already steeped in both externally, but also internally. Can I just say, I was like dropping the mic visually in my head the whole time. I was like, yes, yes, yes. I'm like feeling, I'm like, wow, like this is magic coming through right now. Like I could feel it, the truth, it just resonating. And I know everybody could feel that from you right there because it is, it is truth and allowing, allowing, allowing. Is it surrendering to whatever the universe has planned for us? Because so often we need to, we want to figure it out. And and the truth is, it's like, no, like the universe has a better plan. And I, I'll tell you, it's funny, Rob, I, okay. So I, I went through a really hard relationship thing when, when I got out of my uh, past relationship with my ex-husband and I had fallen in love for the very first time ever in 40 some years. So my heart was like opened. Okay. And then my heart was just completely devastated because it didn't turn out the way I had thought it would turn out. So I went on this deep spiritual journey. You know, I climbed a mountain and camped at the top of a mountain by myself with 50 pounds on my back with mountain lions near and all, you know, did all these crazy, amazing things and went to find myself. Cause I recognized that I, in order for me to find someone that could match me free frequency wise, I had to raise my frequency because we don't want to attract right. Um, partners, friends, relationships when we're really low, because we're going to attract the same thing. 
right? So I, w- I went on the journey to do the work. And my friend, who's a good friend with Bob Proctor, taught him how he attracted his his mate. She's like, Christy, I got to show you how to do this. So I was like, game on, let's do this. I am all about this, right? So I had made this, I got this big board. Okay. I'm going to give you guys this, the, 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 the you know, I, it was like a huge poster board and I had all these color mark. I actually have it. You actually, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show yes, you. Right let's now. see it. I would love that. Okay. I have it here. And for those viewers, this is what I made. All right. All right. Okay. And I put my man, my lover, my best friend. And I put, I will meet him by September 1st, 2020. He will recognize me as the person he's been thinking, praying and dreaming about. And so will I. And I wrote everything that I wanted to attract, you know, simple things. He's in love with life. He loves to have fun. He is positive human, loves to grow himself and grow connection in life. He's humble and kind, loves to wake up and have coffee and meditate and talk. He's romantic. Like I put all these things, right? And I looked at it every night. Um, I have a poster bed that has lights and it's very princessy. And so I would look at it every night and I would just imagine the feeling of this partner and waking up next to them and what it would feel like and growing together and all this stuff. And then in my journal, after I meditated, I wrote it like a movie script and I'd play it out in my head and then I let it go. I was like, well, he's, he's in the vortex somewhere. I know he's going to enter. I'm letting it go. This is about me. So I went on a really bad Tinder experience. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's had any of those ever. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, it was like COVID. Where do you meet people? Like, this sucks. I was like, this is horrible. But that experience led me to another experience that led me to Mount Shasta, that led me on this nine-day spiritual retreat, that led me to the grocery store one day, that led me to meet him in the avocado section, that led me to, it was all these series of events that happened and we connected and we met and he matched every single thing on there. Every single thing. And uh, and it goes even more cosmic than that. And we don't have time because we're, we've come to our hour. But I want to share with those of you, you can use this as a way to attract a business partner, a friend, a lover, anything that you're craving. You have to trust in the universe. You have to let go the control that you actually have a better plan. Okay? Yes. So good, Christy. And it's so true. And it can be a real, you know, it's not always easy at first to let go because we put so much trust in our thoughts and our planning and scripting and plotting and all of that. And that can get you so far in life. That's how you get through school a little bit. That's how you sometimes build a business and whatnot. But if you're really wanting to manifest something that not only um, looks good and is sort of the trappings of success and achievement, but something that also is fulfilling, and deeply fulfilling. You're absolutely right. It requires deep trust and faith. And what shows up for me, at least in my life, is often nothing like I thought it would look like. So it's not quite as gorgeous and perfect as you know your husband and partner. But it's like sometimes the best gifts are really poorly wrapped, right? And that's part of what you're saying there too. Is like don't judge based on appearances at first. You have to see how this thing unfolds. And you know, as that expression goes. Um, Everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not yet the end, right? And so that's as true with manifestation as anything. You know, I was looking for my purpose my whole time. The whole time I was suicidal, I was looking for my purpose. Lo and behold, my purpose was right underneath my nose the entire time as the unhappiness and suicidal ideation and as a desire for someone else to show up for me. And I discovered, oh my goodness, my greatest problem is pointing to my highest purpose. Right. And so the same is true, of course, with manifestation. I've had ideas 
about what I think I want. But when I've let go and trust, I actually find that it might look like that, but often I'm completely wrong about it. And something much bigger and more blissful uh, turns out or shows up for me. So Christy, just really fantastic insight there. Oh my gosh, it's so fun. And you know, I'm so, 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 so grateful that you did not take your life those years ago because like, I feel like we've been soul friends forever. You are one of the most beautiful human beings I have yet to meet. Like, it's so great to connect with your soul. You're feeling your heart, the way you love, the way you've done the work, the way you show up, the way you share your light. And I mean that so honestly and truthfully. Like, I know what it takes to come to this space in divine masculinity. It wasn't easy. I know that. And I honor that. And I can only pray that you will keep sharing to millions millions and millions of people, this light that you are and what you've brought to our show today so confidently, so eloquently. And, you know, listen, I know you have stuff. We all have stuff, but you show up and that's all that matters is you're showing up. And I'm so proud of you for that. and so grateful for you. Oh, Christy, you're going to get me emotional. I legitimately feel emotional. I'm a very sensitive guy. Um, and I feel like that's a powerful um, place to be. And I, first of all, I want to say thank you so much, Christy. I fully received that. I'm putting it into practice. <laughs> what I'm preaching, I fully receive that. They mean that. And also it takes light to recognize light. You're absolutely right. I feel like we're cut from the same cloth. I feel a real deep soul connection. You are such an exquisitely beautiful and brilliant and magnificent woman with these divine gifts. And I'm just so impressed and inspired and awestruck just to be connected with you and to be in your presence and to be in conversation with you. So please know I will continue to hold up my end of the bargain by sharing my light if you promise to do the same. Um, but just thank you for shining some of that light my way because it has um, inextricably um, and uh, irreversibly changed my life for the better. So thank you for that. Uh, you know, it's it's like trusting when we say trust in the universe. The universe had a plan to bring us together. And I foresee something in the future where we'll, we'll be sharing a stage with some other powerful humans and, and impacting lives. I, I, I have a feeling that's in the vortex. But um, until then, uh, as we close in on the show, are, is there any words of wisdom that you would share with others um, that would help them to maybe get through their days a little bit better, something that has been instrumental wisdom that someone shared with you, or maybe it's your own inner wisdom that, yeah. that people can carry. Yeah, I guess um, some of it would fall like a platitude, but I'll try to be careful about that. You know, cliches become cliches for a reason, right? Because there's some truth in them. So I said at first, like, whatever it is you're looking for, I promise you it's inside. And it's inside in infinite and eternal abundance. The first thing. And if you find it inside, you'll find it outside everywhere. You can't miss it, you know, at that point. If you don't find it inside, you'll have a real hard time finding it outside. Um, so that's the first thing. Um, second, I would say, real, in a real simple way, is just think less and enjoy more. Think less, love more. Think less, love and live more. Like, you know, just think less and live your life more, right? It's easy to live this life in your head. And it's true, you know, unexamined life isn't worth living, but the over-examined life isn't living at all, right? So, you know, think less, love more, think less, enjoy more, think less, um, and just be more. So beautiful. Like, I feel like you spoke that right into my soul because uh, I've 
I definitely have gotten back into deeper meditation practice, which helps me to think less. So if you're a thinker, because I love to, I do love thinking, I love creating and solving problems. And so that can become a little bit of noise, right? But that silence, that meditation, that stillness is everything. So thank you for the reminder. Thank you're, you you're so welcome. And, and to that point, I just want to say one quick thing because it's so beautiful is that you're absolutely right. We're all thinkers. You've got a Ferrari for a brain and a left yeah. foot. <laughs> and I'm the same way, you know, I just hit the gas and I want to go. And you're also right, which is that it's not that you eventually get to a place where you stop thinking. It's just that where the thinking comes from is so much more creative and productive and profitable. And so instead of having to go from A all the way through the alphabet to Z, you jump. It's a quantum leap straight from A to Z. It's like straight from having a thought, straight to a manifestation or whatever. That's the beauty and power of stillness and silence. Why does this have to end? I know. I'm like well, it so juiced. It, it, it doesn't. And I'm a firm believer that this conversation will go on forever. Literally. Yes. Yeah. I agree, Rob. Thank you for blessing our listeners today and blessing the world with your light and your wisdom, your authenticity, your vulnerability, your love, everything that you are, everything that you are going to contribute to this world. We are hungry for it. We are yearning for it. We love it. And just know that uh, your divine light is really lighting the path for so many of us. So thank you for being a guest on our show today. And thank you to all the listeners who shined your light today by showing up, because that's really what shining our light is all about is showing up to go up, to grow up. And we're so excited to have shared the space and time with you together. We are lighting the path for not only ourselves, but future generations to come. We love you. And we can't wait to share this time with you again on another Lead with Love podcast with Christy. Bye, everyone. Imagine the feeling of seeing your dreams manifest in front of your very eyes. Through the power of the law of attraction and intentional daily visualization, your dream life can be made into reality. Visualize video is a powerful tool to take your vision board to the next level. See your life play out in front of you like a movie trailer. Increase the intensity of your meditation or amplify the vibration of your visualization with Visualize Video, a tool to use in your daily routine to help you create the life of your dreams. Let us help you manifest more. With our incredibly insightful questionnaire, we will give you a unique video with affirmations to make your dreams a reality. Get your own visualized video today and start manifesting all your desires now. Go to visualizevideo.com. That's visual, V-I-S-U-A-L-E-Y-E-S-video.com. And use the code LOVE20, that's L-O-V-E-2-0 for 20% off. Thank you so much for listening to Love and Serve Podcasts. It is my sincere hope that the rest of your day is filled with abundance, love, and light. Know that I believe in you and know that when you shine your light, you unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. You are making an impact. I can't wait to see you on the next episode of Love and Serve. For more information, you can go to thelovegypsy.com and follow us at Christy Dryling Beauty on Instagram.